So what is it about religion that lends itself to extremism? Gersky, President and CEO of Borealis Threat and Risk Consulting in Russell, Canada, and you're listening to Quick Hits. Over the past couple of weeks, when it comes to what happened in Washington and general commentary on terrorism and what it is and what it isn't and what to call it, there have been people who've been rather upset with me when it comes to the vocabulary that I use and the hesitancy or care I take in trying to be as accurate as possible in my analysis, i.e. I won't call something terrorism unless it's pretty damn obvious from the get-go that it is. Moving back to the events of January the 6th, and by the way, this podcast is being recorded on January the 20th, Inauguration Day. A lot of worry about whether we'll see a repeat of the attack on the Senate during the uh, inauguration of President Biden. Watch this space. I wanted to sort of keep my powder dry until more information was in. Who were the rioters, the insurrectionists, the coup plotters, if you want to use that term? Were there some terrorists among them? Uh, Yeah, there were. People like the Proud Boys, which the FBI considers to be a terrorist organization. Perhaps the Oath Keepers, maybe they're a terrorist organization too. But it was a real, you know, grab bag of of individuals. A real dog's breakfast. They weren't all terrorists. They were from a variety of of movements, uh, belief systems, all probably Trump supporters and all who believe in the conspiracy theory that the election was stolen. But I think it is an exaggeration to say that they're all terrorists. Well, for my hesitancy in not calling it terrorism from the get-go, boy, did I get a lot of flack on Twitter. I was called uh, many things. I was called racist. I was called an Islamophobe. People saying that, oh, you, you know, you worked on Islamist extremism for the security service in Canada. All you recognize are Muslim terrorists. You're of this conviction like Ann Coulter that maybe not all Muslims are terrorists, but all terrorists are Muslim. In actual fact, that's, that's, that's categorically wrong. And as I showed in a, my, my most recent book, a couple of years ago, When Religion Kills, I recognize there's all forms of terrorism when it comes to motivation, when it comes to ideologies. I looked at not just Islamist extremism in the book, but I looked at things like Jewish extremism and Hindu extremism, Sikh extremism, and even Buddhist extremism, which should be an oxymoron. What I want to focus on today uh, is Christian extremism, both violent, which we would call terrorism, and nonviolent. And the genesis of this particular podcast came from an article that I read in The Economist over the holidays. So for those who don't read The Economist, Every Christmas, they come up with a special double issue, which they call their holiday issue. I'll show you the cover here. This is the holiday double issue of The Economist. And they had quite a fascinating piece on the 16th century Dutch Christian philosopher, thinker Erasmus, who was born in Rotterdam in 1466. I want to cite a few passages from this article, uh, and I'll I'll include the link in, in the podcast. Really interesting insight into what I would call Christian extremism, both of the violent and nonviolent description. Erasmus loathed the certitude of ideologues and worried about the tendency of extremists to go one another into greater acts of fanaticism. He had the great bad luck of living in a zealous era. Fast forward to 1517 when Erasmus is trying to preach what he calls the middle way, and that's when Martin Luther, 
nails his 95 theses to the door of the Wittenberg Castle's church, complaining about the Catholic Church and all the problems within it. Um, Erasmus didn't like what Luther was saying, and he was fearful that it would in fact lead to some kind of counter-extremism, uh, and boy was he ever right. It turned out that the newly, I guess, created Protestants didn't like Erasmus. The Catholic Church, which had been his fan, didn't like Erasmus. The Catholic Church pronounced him as a proto-Luther, and one monk wrote, Erasmus laid the eggs, Luther hatched them, God grant that we may smash the eggs and stifle the chicks. Here we go. In 1546, one of the translators of Erasmus' works was burned at the stake. And therefore, we had essentially the start of the Thirty Years' War, in which, quote, more than a third of the German population was killed. And this war featured every imaginable atrocity, from torched villages to mass rapes to widespread torture, including waterboarding. Wow. That's pretty serious stuff. In other words, when we look at violent extremism as a phenomenon, we, we tend to think, well, you know, it's only been happening since 9-11. And of course, nothing could be further from the truth. Extremism been, has been with us ever since Eve handed the apple over to Adam. In other words, humans have this unfortunate tendency to be extreme in their views and at the sort of worst end of this to become violent based on those extremist views. And religion as a phenomenon is capable of both the greatest heights of human achievement. Think of all the art and the music and the great people who've done great works in the name of their version of God. Or the lowest pits of despair. Not just what we saw in Erasmus's days with the Thirty Year War, but think of Islamist extremism, Al-Qaeda, Islamic State. Think of far-right extremism, neo-Nazis, white supremacists. Think of Hindu extremism, etc., etc. All covered in my book. When religions kill. But sticking with the Christian extremism theme for a second here, there's two other things I've come across in the news recently that have really given me pause to worry about the role of Christianity in, uh, in extremism, and sometimes in violent extremism. The first one actually comes from uh, near my hometown in London, Ontario. And there's this preacher called, called Hildebrandt, who is a preacher in a church of God in Elmer, a small town of about 30 kilometers southeast of London, Ontario, southern Ontario. And, and this guy is uh, is very anti-COVID, uh, but not in a positive way. He is teaching his flock that COVID is a myth, that it's a government's campaign to control people. He advises his flock not to wear masks. He wants them to show up in droves at, the, at services on Sunday, which goes against all the protocols that I know of. And he claims that, in fact, what his church is doing is fighting the, the forces of Satan. The government's trying to control people by ordering masks and ordering social isolation and cutting down on massive crowds. This is all part of a plan by the government to control you. Does that not strike you as Christian extremism? It certainly does to me. There are people in and around Elmer who don't like what this Hildebrandt is talking about. And they say, this is the antithesis of Christianity. This is not what we stand for. This is not what Jesus taught. This is not what our beliefs tell us to do. The other thing that I found very interesting was a report in the National Post the other day that said the Proud Boys, which again, as I said, uh, is listed as a domestic terrorist entity by the FBI, actually did fundraising on a Christian website. Now, 
I don't know whether the website knew the fu- the Proud Boys was fundraising there. But the point is, is that there is a very worrisome link between what, what I would call fundamentalist, right-wing, verging on extremist Christianity, uh, and far-right extremism. Right-wing extremism. Evangelicals in the United States somehow thought that what Donald Trump represented over the past four years, and thankfully came to an end this morning, like I said, it's, it's, we're out January the 20th, Biden's now president, at least in a couple hours, that Trump was somehow their hero. He was somehow their vanguard. He was somehow the guy that was going to lead them to the promised land. Can you come up with another president who was less Christian than Donald Trump? He engaged in, in sexual harassment, possibly rape. He fomented violence, not just on January the 6th at the Capitol, but on many other occasions. He lied consistently. He encouraged conspiracy theorists. He encouraged violent extremists like the Proud Boys in his not too you know coded language about taking over the Capitol. Lies after lies after lies. Doesn't sound very Christian to me. You know, I, I've always been you know, puzzled a bit by this notion in the United States that the presidents have to uh, uh, constantly invoke God in their speeches. Every 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 speech ends with God bless America, and every president has to show himself to be a Christian, a very devout Christian. Uh, you know, no devout Muslims or Jews in the U.S. presidency so far. And yet Christians, who are supposed to be examples for the rest of us, sought their favor in Donald Trump. A man who was the bosom buddy of violent right-wing extremists. What role then and what responsibility do average Christians, fundamental evangelical Christians in the United States, have for what Donald Trump represented over four years, as well as this worrisome rise in right-wing extremism? It's a great question, isn't it? I'm not saying there's a one-to-one relationship. In the same way, there's not a one-to-one relationship between Islam and Islamist extremists, or Hinduism and Hindu extremists, or Buddhism and Buddhist extremists. But there is a link there. It's not random. There seems to be some kind of relationship between a fringe of Christianity, which I'm going to call extreme Christianity, and right-wing extremism south of the border. And not just south of the border, but across the Western world. I don't know. Is anybody else talking in these terms about Christian extremism, Christian violent extremism? We certainly have had no problem talking about Muslim extremism and Islamist extremism over the past 20 years since 9-11. Maybe it's time to start talking about Christian extremism. What do you think? Anyhow, those are my views on that. I should note that this podcast was brought to you by the 2014 Winter Classic. That was a game outside in Detroit in January of that year between the Red Wings and the Toronto Maple Leafs. I was there with my son, uh, along with 104,000 of our best friends in a blizzard. How Canadian can you get? So before I leave you today, of course, it is the usual feature of the Quick Hits. It is the Hardy Boys Guide to Life, the latest bit of wisdom for from the boy detectives this comes from a while the clock ticked what a suspenseful title when you start receiving death threats during an investigation it's a good sign you're on the right track i have known people in my career who have been threatened in the course of investigations in fact you'll hear their stories in my very soon upcoming book 
the Peaceable Kingdom. You'll get more details on how to buy that pretty soon. So if you're investigating terrorists or criminals or whatever, and they start threatening you, you're on the right track. Again, great piece of advice from the Hardy Boys. Anyhow, love to hear what you think. You can reach me on Gmail at borealisrisk at gmail.com or on Twitter at borealisaves. You can also find me on LinkedIn and on Facebook. If you like the content, I heartily encourage you to subscribe. Go to my website, borealisthreatrisk.com. Hit the subscribe button. You'll get all the content, all the podcasts, all the blogs, free of charge to your inbox, as well as some unique material that's only for subscribers. So what do you think of this notion of Christian extremism? Am I off base here, or is there something there? Drop me a line. I'd love to hear from you. I'll talk to you again soon. Until then, stay safe.